0: Actually, uh, kind of like the others, uh, she was chosen. Uh, I Went through the different phases, uh, stocking phase. And since she lived down the street from me, I could watch the coming and going quite easily. Uh, on that particular date, I, uh, I had a, a, a other commitment. Came back from that commitment, parked my car over at. Uh, Woodlawn and 21st Street uh, at bowling alley. There at that time. Uh, before that, I dressed until I had some other clothes on. Changed clothes. I went to the bowling alley. Uh, went in there. The precincts of bowling. Called a taxi. Had a taxi take me out to Park City. Uh, had my kit with me as a bowling bag.
1: Right, that was Park City in Sedgwick County? Yes. Alright, you had the taxi take you to Park City, what happened then? Uh,
0: there I asked, I, I uh, pretended that I was a little uh, drunk, I just took, I just took some beer and forced it around my mouth and the guy could probably smell the alcohol on me. I asked, told him to let me out so I could get some fresh air and I walked from where the taxi let me out over to her house. Alright, where does she live? Uh, 62, 42, 54. 6254? 6254. 6254. North saying? Independence. All right. When you walked
1: over there, what happened next?
0: Well, as before, I was going to have uh, sexual fantasy, so I brought my kit kit. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, her car was there. I thought, gee, she's not supposed to be home. So I very carefully snuck into the house, kind of like a cat burglar. And after checking the house, she wasn't there. So about that time. The doors rattled, so I uh, went, went back to one of the bedrooms and hid back there in one of the bedrooms. She came in with a male visitor. They were there for maybe an hour or so. <coughs> he left. I waited till wee hours in the morning and then proceeded to uh, sneak into her bedroom and flip uh, the lights on with the black, or I think the bathroom lights. I just let to flip her lights on, and, and she screamed and uh, jumped on the bed and strangled her manually. Alright. Now, were you
1: wearing any kind of disguise or mask at this time? No, no. You indicated this woman lived down the street from you. Did she know you? Uh,
0: casually, we'd uh, walk by and wave. Uh, she she liked to work in her yard as well as I like to work. In. It's just a neighborly type thing. It wasn't anything personal. Again, just a neighbor.
1: Alright, so she was in her bed when you turned on the lights in the bathroom? Yeah, the bathroom.
0: Yeah, the, the, So I could get some light in there. What did you do then? Well, I manually strangled her when she started to scream. So you but, used your
1: hands? Yes, sir. And you strangled her? Did she die? Yes. All right, what did you do
0: then? Uh, after that, uh, since I was in the uh, sexual fantasy, I uh, went ahead and uh, stripped her. And uh, probably went ahead and, uh, I'm not sure if I tied her up at that point in time. But anyway, uh, she was nude and I put her on a blanket, uh, went through her purse, some personal items in the house. Figured out how I was going to get her out of there. Eventually uh, moved her to the trunk of the car. <sighs> took the car over to uh, Christ Lutheran Church. Uh, this is where the older church. And uh, I took some pictures of her. All right. You took some
1: photographs of her. What kind of camera did you
0: use? Uh, poor Lord. Did you keep those photographs?
1: Yes. The police probably have them. All right, what
0: happened then? Uh, that was it. I, that went, I took uh, She went through, I tied it, she was already dead, so I took uh, pictures of her in different forms of bondage. And That's probably what got me in trouble with the bondage thing, so anyway, that's the, probably the, the main thing. But anyway, after that, I uh, moved her back out to the car, and then uh, we went east on 53rd. All right, what occurred then? Sir? What happened then? Oh, uh, trying to find a place to hide her, hide the body. Did you find a place? Yes. Yes, I did. Where? Uh, couldn't tell you without looking at a map, but it was on 53rd, Queen uh, Greenwich, maybe. Maybe, what's, what's the other one? Greenwich, uh, web. Between, I think between and, Webb and Greenwich, I found a, a ditch, a low place, on the north side of the road, and hit her there. Right, you say you hit her there. Well, there were, some, there were some trees, some brush, and I laid that over the top of her body.
1: All right, so you removed the body from the car, put her in the ditch, and then laid some some brush over the body. Yes, sir.
2: All right, this is it, the last episode of Season 2. I am Sherry, the host of Outline of a Murder, a True Crime podcast that is very smart. Wouldn't you agree, Mom? I do. Because we go into the why Behind the Crime, and we always finish off every season with the scariest, uh, because really there was, wasn't much you could do as far as this killer, which we'll get no. into part two. However, I first must introduce Mom. Hello. I can't believe we're almost over. Well, let me... With this season. Wait, you're interrupting my thing here. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I worked hard on these. Okay. Like, I wrote them <laughs> down. Okay,
3: I'll go for it.
2: So, my introduction for you today to finish off this season, right? Mm-hmm. Is mom is a woman who bought red velvet refrigerator door handle covers
3: just for fun? First of all, people are gonna relate. The red—they weren't red. Well, I mean, no, they were red, red velvet. Like, you you can't wrap get them around red red. the handle. Fire engine red. Because at the holidays and That's it what was I Christmas. The holidays, people, sticky-fingered people handle your. Handled. Well, first of all, it was way past Christmas. Okay, let me just say this.
2: And my sister you, stole them. Good if job. If you Elena. wanna
3: believe Good job. my firstborn. Let me just tell you they both have hidden go, things sister. from me, moved things from me. Like the creepy mannequin, Threatened me. Oh, wait a minute. Just now I went to use the ladies' room and guess what was in there? A doll. A four foot doll. Hey, you are the one me. that buy
2: this weird Halloween stuff. So they're not with innocent. Tacos. They're
3: not innocent.
2: Anyway, enough of all this nonsense. What? Yes, and so my sister stole the ridiculous red velvet door handle things because she's not ninety yet. But anyway, so if you want to follow along, keep up to date with everything, uh, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook. Please leave a review. Uh, please share this. And we are starting a drink fund. This season, we seem to be addicted to Stella Rosa. Right. So we're finishing off our last episode with um, some Stella Rosa Black for me, Berry for you, which we both Mm -hmm. rated at fives. Mm -hmm. And then I'm actually going to finish off with a little taste of Augusta Malbec Estate Reserve. Delicious. I mean, I can drink dry to sweet. Does not bother made. me at all, sweet. Excuse me,
3: man. I'm already kind of <laughs> harping a lot. But uh, also, we have another. Our, what do you call it for Mid, March? Yeah, Mid- it's mid-season uh, mini
2: series coming up. And our first season is still yeah available. yeah available. It's on the um, podcast, and I'll, I think I'm probably going to go ahead and take the after-show combos and put them on there. But we also have um, the Family Annihilator series
3: that we've done. Don't and- you have a link, people?
2: Well, it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. They can listen to everything. Well,
3: and and you can give cases you might want us to Yes,
2: on the website, we have a place where they can recommend cases. And for our seasons, it needs to be things where we can extract information to help others. But the mid-season... Is just to discru- discuss true crime. So Any this crime. Upcoming uh, March 2022, we're going to discuss some very old, old cases like Sam Shepard, The Black Dahlia, H. H. Holmes, uh, Jack the Ripper, The London Nude, uh, which is one I've not, I don't know much That's about a good at all. One. Yeah, so we're going to dive into those. So we kind of, because we like true crime, we wanted to help, but also just have something in between where we can just
3: discuss cases. But
2: you can send both in. Absolutely.
3: It's just our podcast is for signs to help somebody. Yes. Yes. You know, recognize signs. And we also have resources for
2: people to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, get away from dangerous people. If they're in an intimate relationship with people that are dangerous or abusive, we've got some resources on the website. Men and women. Yes. Yes. Like Frank Spencer, men can Mm -hmm. be victims as well. And we forgot our um, victim, like our little slogan at the end. So mom, you have to remember that you remembered last time. Please don't forget. Okay. Oh, you need a piece of paper? Here no, you go. no. i remember. Right. Okay. Alright, so we're going to get past this business here and we're going to dive back into Dennis Rader, uh, BTK. We dropped off. He had, he's murdered two people already. Or yeah. I'm sorry. You're a recap. He's had two, you know, killing episodes. He actually murdered four of the seven in the Otero family, leaving the the older children, orphans, immediately, and then he also killed Catherine Bright, and then attempted to kill her uh, brother Kevin, but he survived.
3: But both both times, both cases, he was surprised. Yes, he didn't do his homework.
2: Yes, he got surprised with he thought when he went to the Otero house, he was just going to find Julie there, and it was eight a.m. So I could see that he would think that everybody's at school, at the school. husband's going to be at work. And then he didn't expect Kevin to be at Catherine's house that day either. Which he waited for her inside. He did. He did. And Kevin was very, very smart in that he didn't try to fight him off a third time. Instead, he ran from the house, got help. But unfortunately,
3: Catherine died. He was shot twice. Yeah, and one he in survived. the
2: hand. Yeah, he did. It was amazing. They have a sketch of him, and it looks nothing, nothing like him no, at nothing. all. And I'm sure when he saw that, he knew that he wasn't going to be caught either because it's
3: not even close. So if you look at the pictures and you see it and think, well, this doesn't look It's not. It doesn't. It yeah, and we'll have all of that all. on our website. Case. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And again, from the part one, I mean, he, he looked like the typical dad. I mean, he looked like the whole thing looked like a leave it to beaver type of family situation. That's a, like a black and white show, by the way, back in the day. I think even I was too old yeah. when it, like, it came out when you were, you know, younger. Careful,
3: <laughs> Yeah. And he was a leader, mm-hmm. the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. He was a, what is it, vice president? Mm-hmm. Or this president congregation? of the Lutheran. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He, I mean... I mean, he looked like the guy that you would invite Mm -hmm. to have beers with and cook. You know, like I could picture like you're sitting out in the back patio having a cold one. The kids are playing in the pool. You're barbecuing with your buddies. You know what I mean? Or playing Mm -hmm. poker with Mm -hmm. them. I mean, he just seemed absolutely normal. And that's what makes him so scary. And even though we always leave the end of the year with episodes that are the scariest ones so far. We've already extracted some good information. Like number one, uh, lock your doors. But number right. two, uh, if if like Kevin, he he was smart in running out
3: instead of going up to defend
2: her. Again. Yes, and so I think already
3: we've got some good information for people. Well, but especially now, because back then you didn't lock your doors. No, I remember no. not locking my doors. You know, I always did. Well yeah, but back in the fifties, sixties, seventies, even before people didn't lock your doors. It was a good old boy. People walk in for coffee. I mean you just you Mm-mm. just didn't now I would have my not only locks, I'd have bolts. <laughs> right. I mean it it's you well, gotta I, be careful. Yeah,
2: and I carry. So um yeah, it's it's a very interesting uh dynamic back then. I remember grandmother never had her do- doors closed.
3: Or locked. My dad finally started doing that. Yeah, he didn't either. But it's funny how things have changed so much. Yeah. It's sad, actually. It is.
2: I think at the... Like, when he made, I guess you would call it a comeback, he started naming his targets and his plan
3: using military terms. Which I... Well, that I didn't know. Yes. But I do have to say, this whole case was horrible, horrific. Mm Mm-hmm. But the most fascinating thing to me is that he was dormant for so long. I know yes. I keep saying that. It's just, I just can't believe he, 25 years.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, unbelievable. Well,
2: actually, he went dormant several times. His last killing was in 74. And then now we're to March 17th, 1977. So he was dormant several years. Three years. And yeah. he called his new target Project Green. So I didn't here's know that. yes. So here's what this tells me. He's coming back more organized and more focused. Like he's like executing it like a military operation now.
3: You know what I mean? You know, I did read somewhere that he was extremely picky. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, because he was a C personality. Yeah. And so for three years he studied his. That's how what to I think he did. Better. I do too.
2: I think it's BS because he came that, back better. Right, and I think it's BS that it was because he's busy with kids. I mm-hmm. think he honed his craft because the first two murders had too much unexpected mm-hmm. stuff. So now he's going to hone his craft. He's labeling it according
3: to uh, you know
2: military terms, executing it that way.
3: And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't watch or research other serial killers or he did killers. Yeah,
2: Yeah, we'll get into that. Oh, okay. But Project... Green was a failure because his intended victim was away. She didn't come home, home on time because she was like on vacation or on a trip and he didn't know. Then he wait in the house for her. Yes. So he's frustrated and, he got mad and frustrated. Yeah. He's frustrated, he's ready to kill. So this is what he does. He trolls the streets until he came across a boy returning home. He showed a photo of his own wife Paula and told the boy that he was a private detective looking for information on the lady in the photo. He asked him if he had seen her, and the boy shook his head no, and then continued on toward his house. Rader followed. He waited until the boy went inside, and then he knocked on the door. The same boy answered, and Rader convinced him to let him in the house. Once inside the home, he pulled his gun.
3: So this is victim Shirley Vianne. And I believe she was either upstairs. She was sick. I think yeah, she was Yeah, she might sick. have been. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was sick. And she had taken off that day from work. Yeah. She
2: was the mother of the little boy and two other children. She was in her 20s. Obviously frightened for her children and herself. And uh, that's her right there. Mm. And... uh it seems that he changed his story this time. Remember before he would say he wants food and money and a car, which is merely to get you to relax so he can tie you up. So don't believe criminals. And this was
3: his first one after three years. Yes. Yes.
2: So this time he said that he had a sexual dysfunction and that the only way to achieve gratification was if he could tie her up. Shirley thinks that if she complies again, it's a lie He'll simply tie her up and leave her and the children mm-hmm. alive she helps Raider put her three children ages four, six and eight in the bathroom with some toys
3: and a blood that's what I was talking about and he blocked the door he blocked the yeah. door because they couldn't lock it so actually the kids saw what happened to her but he but if they wouldn't have kept banging he said um he might have let them just he might have just left. If the, if the kids hadn't... They were making too much noise. That's why he let them out of the bathroom, eventually.
2: Huh, I didn't hear that. I thought that they had to um, get free later and
3: call the police. See? Yeah, but they didn't kill him. Okay. I phrased that wrong. He said they kept banging, banging, banging on the door and wouldn't be quiet, so he did not unlock that door or take what it was blocking it off, and they finally broke through that Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. that's what I meant.
2: They put some toys, mm-hmm. a blanket in there. She was so scared that she vomited several times. And Raider gave her a glass of water and tried to calm
3: her down.
1: Look at the kind things he nice did. Nice of them.
3: Calm her down, gave her water, gave him
2: toys yeah, it ain't and kind. a blanket. It's
3: to occupy and it's to try to get his victim ready. And a, self, a sense of... Safety, Like, oh, well, maybe he's doing this, so maybe he won't kill Yeah, us.
2: and that's yeah. where the misunderstanding of these people come from because, again, they like it. She figured that he was going to rape her, and he bound her wrists, he bound her ankles, and instead he strangled her while her three children watched what happened through a gap in the door. Yeah. He was going to do the same thing to the three kids, but the phone rang interrupting him. He left, and the children eventually got out and contacted the police. So he's a child killer, too.
3: See, I didn't know that mm-hmm. part. He is a child killer, as you you proved on the, the, Otero. the two. Yeah, the Otero children.
2: Yeah, so he's going to kill them as well. And I think part of it is, again, he likes killing, but I also think part of it is he didn't want to be identified.
3: You know, he must have thought his whole, his family just like a completely different, I mean, department. Because he has children. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he ever thought of killing them.
0: He has a Not wife. Not that I ever
3: heard of. I'm, well, you know, I'm, I mean, it's just so bizarre to me. Yeah. But yet he goes on the other part of his life, on the other side, mm-hmm. he kills children mm-hmm. and, re- and and women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Crazy. men.
2: And uh, and on and top men, of that, yeah. you know, it's like he raised his kids to be upstanding citizens. And when I read uh, the daughter's book, because we'll get into more of that later, but one of the things she said is that she thought her dad was maybe 95% dad and 5% BTK. And the cops are like, no, he was 100% BTK. That yeah. was always there. He he fed that monster in him and in his fantasy life that he did the whole time he was raising his family until he got caught. And so I, I don't know why he went dormant, but he has talked a lot about how he could compartmentalize
3: You know, put those
2: things in boxes in his mind and live like a normal human being.
3: And you said he was um, an upstanding citizen. Mm -hmm. You know, before they found out he was a killer, he was. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone liked him. They went to church every Sunday, which doesn't mean anything because you have a bunch of poop birds that can go to church and they're uh, sickos. But it's not just church. Everything he did was upstanding.
2: Yeah. So it makes you wonder, was that
3: part of his cover, right? yeah because how can you act? Either you're an excellent actor or you you are in your mind you to you are an upstanding citizen. you know so I think he d- I think he was because yeah. what
2: was interesting is when you read read his letters to his daughter, he would talk about the most ordinary things. yeah you know make sure you make sure your mom has this and ask her why she's not taught to me. Oh I don't know. We were married for 34 years and you killed women and children. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know, like, why would he think, I mean, she but, would have to explain to him, you have to understand that all of us are absolutely confused and we don't understand how this happened. We're still trying to wrap our brain around the fact that you
3: killed these people. I don't think he has he a clue. Did it. Yeah, no, he he didn't, didn't get it. No, he didn't. Because if you look at his confessions, it, like I said, it was like, oh, here's my grocery list. I'm going to go get some coffee. Let's yeah. go get something to eat. Yeah. I mean, just talk normal. Yeah. Regular. Like this was, everybody killed people.
2: Right. Right. It, it's it's a, a He is probably the most baffling. Because when you look at the other killers, except again, Gary Ridgway was... um pretty good at what he did, if you can call it that. Yeah, don't give him credit. Ted Bundy, he devolved. Yeah, he did. And you see that. Same thing with Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, John Gacy, he got sloppy. Bundy,
3: though, there was quite a few errors Mm -hmm. with law enforcement. Mm, Yes. He had a lot of luck.
2: He did. Two or three times. Right like we say. They're not smart, but they're lucky. They're lucky. Now, here's something that, uh, that we learned later Rader broke his M.O. with the next killing of Nancy Fox on December 8, 1977. He broke a window to enter, which was very unusual. He attacked at night, which again he didn't do that. In the early days that we're in the golden age of serial killers, most experts believe that they had signatures that they would never violate and they had a victim type that they always stuck to. That's not true. A lot of people don't know that even to this day since then we've learned that they will improvise compromise and they will kill when opportunity presents itself because again they like it now i do think that they have a type some of them that they would like to stay close to but there anyone is a potential victim for a
3: serial killer yeah you see some that are mainly blonde in mm-hmm. some of these serial killers. But then every now and then, you'll see brunette with the blonde. It, well, so it is opportunity. And different sometimes. ages. Ages, yeah.
2: But when you look at this list, I could see how they would have a really rough time pinning all these murders on one because you've They're got all young, different. you've got older, you've got Hispanic, you've got white, you've got blonde, you've got old, you've got short hair, you've got long hair. I mean... There's, I, if you mm-hmm. go by the typical serial killer, they have a type, et cetera, et cetera, you would have no idea.
3: Had he not tied them how he did and they knew it was him
2: mm-hmm. or BTK,
3: yeah. you would have never pieced that together. Right. Yeah, I mean, you probably would have the authorities maybe, but looking at it, you wouldn't. Right. Because they're so different.
2: Nancy Fox was 25 years old, and unbeknownst to her, Raider had been surveilling her for months. He had discovered her name by opening her mailbox and looking at her mail, and then he went into the jewelry store where she worked while she was at work. Do
3: you think he went in the mailbox to see if she was alone?
2: I don't know. He just said
3: that he went in there to get her name. I don't know. Oh, just to get her name? Okay.
2: And it seems like he was really obsessed with her, and she's a pretty woman. Um, When he broke into her house, he shared the same sexual dysfunction story that he did with Shirley Vianne.
3: But then again, he had three years to craft his...
2: Well, and this is just a few months after killing Shirley. Uh-huh. Um, so he shares the same story. She prepared herself to be bound and raped, even sharing a cigarette with Raider before. He handcuffed her, laid her down the bed, and strangled her with a nylon stocking. He masturbated after killing her, because remember, it's not about the sex. uh -uh. It's the torture, the suffering, Mm -hmm. the terror. That he loved. He then took her driver's license as a memento, and then he called the police from a payphone to report the homicide, which we're going to listen to.
3: He he had quite a few uh, driver's licenses in that little box of tricks they showed later.
2: He did, and I've got one of the um, pictures. This is a... one of the letters that he sent to the Wichita Eagle. But let's see. Um, where is that? I don't know why they all didn't open.
3: I saw it earlier. It's right. oh.
2: oh, and this is a sketch of the Otero family home that I was looking for earlier. That's funny. Uh, it here it right is. There. So this is, actually, this is not for Nancy Fox. It's uh, Weggerly
3: but oh. he would do
2: that. He would take the, the driver's license, and so they found this in his stash uh, when they arrested him.
3: That's just so such an impulse. I just don't think they can ever get a, rid of their souvenirs.
2: Yeah, because they use them to relive yeah. it. Again, it's sick, that, but that's what they do. Uh, but let me get, real quick, the uh, 911 call. Did you have something?
3: Yeah, that was the interview. Susan and I want.
2: Yeah, with the daughter. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we'll play some of that as we get on in here. And he has a very distinct way of um, talking. A very distinct, like very clipped, business-like. And the daughter said later she recognized that as her dad because he would do that. You mean
3: on that call? Yes. Yeah, but at the time...
2: hard to hear right but the way he said ho- homicide he said home homicide so let me play it one more time after the clock stops doing right. its thing you yeah, know we're sitting but, around a kitchen table discussing
3: right. true crime i don't think she knew at the time i think no. she realized after oh it does sound like my dad i don't now. even know if she even heard the 911 yeah, call I was before say she but the wife called it and said oh that sounds like you Really? I didn't find that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. So let me play it one more time because it's really hard to understand.
3: Gave the address, the name of her. Mm-hmm.
2: But homicide. Uh, So the daughter said that whenever he would talk to police or other professionals, that's what he would sound like. He would be very businesslike, precise, et cetera, et cetera. So she later, like you said, recognized it. But I didn't know that the wife had thought that. Yeah. Okay. Me and
3: Susan were like, what? Okay. But she was just saying it because it sounded like him. She didn't mean anything saying it was him. And he said, oh, no, it's just, you know, no. And then brushed it off. But he did say that that had she went further, he would have had to kill her.
2: Well, now we have he's calling the police to report the crime. So he's a narcissist, right? He is. And he, here's why I think he did it. This was a perfect hit for him. Oh, yeah. There were no mistakes. Mm-mm. He got the victim he wanted. And in January of 1978, he sent... Sent a poem to Rich to the Wichita Eagle that began with Shirley Locks. Shirley Locks, wilt thou be mine? Now they did not connect the poem to the previous victim, Shirley Vianne's murder. They thought it was a Valentine's Day note, so they f- uh, fa- forwarded it to the paper's classified department, which frustrated Rader because he wanted them to connect it to her.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He decided to reach out to Cake TV a Wichita-based television station, to up his marketing strategy. So I'm going to read the letter he sent to them. And they've had the lady that worked at Cake on the TV being interviewed many
3: times. He loves the kill, and he loves... The attention. The attention.
2: Mm -hmm. To
3: him, it's like being a star. It is. Even when he was caught.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they said his... um, Right before he was sentenced, they asked if he had anything to say. He's thanking the police. He's thanking the judge for the good job he did. He's like, like it was like an Academy Award. And, and it really made people angry, but I don't think people understand. He genuinely meant they did a
3: good job. He
2: admired
3: yeah. good yeah. work. But he will always think he was better. Yes. He lasted longer. They didn't catch him. Yeah. But then he does something stupid. It even crossed my mind at one time, but I don't believe it now, that... Maybe he wanted to get caught. No, but I don't think that. No, I but don't it think was so any of stupid. them ever want to get caught. No, they don't. But and I don't believe that now. But he was so stupid. Well, if you're talking about the technology, the yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. You but will.
2: I just don't think he understood because I didn't know about metadata either when I first started working on computers,
3: and so well, not just that, but saying <coughs> you promise you won't try to.
2: Oh yeah, that. I but, mean, but see, this is what I'm talking about. The fact that he said, do you promise that you won't be able to you know, learn anything about me if I send you a computer disk? He, and this is going to sound weird, and I don't want any hate mail. But he lived on an honor code that if you say something, you will keep your word. That's what's so weird. He's an upstanding citizen. He was good at his jobs. He raised his children to be upstanding citizens as well. He married a lady. And was with her for 34 years. And again, if you read the letters, you'll see what I'm talking about. And then he's like on this honor code with the detectives thinking that it's normal to say, do you promise not to, like that you can't figure out who I am if I send you a floppy disk? And of course, any normal human being is going to be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, but
3: he crafted his...
2: But he uh. thought they would they would be honorable. That
3: That's what he was raised to believe that way by his parents. Well, to sit and study his craft to make it better, and then to trust someone, I believe in 2005 they had computers. I mean, that'd be something you could look up.
2: Mm, I don't know you if you could even back then. I'm not sure. But he obviously, his generation didn't understand technology.
3: Right. Yeah, well, I still don't, but...
2: Okay, so this is a letter that he wrote saying, I find the newspaper not writing about the poem on vain, unamusing. A little paragraph would have been enough. I know it's not the media fault. The police chief, he keeps things quiet and doesn't let the public know there's a psycho running around, running loose, strangely mostly women. There's seven in the ground. Who will be next? Now I'm just reading exactly how he wrote it. All right. How many do I have to kill Before I get a name in the paper or some national attention, do the cop think that all those deaths are not related? Golly gee, yes, the MO is different in each, but look, a pattern is developing. The victims are tied up. Most have been women, phone cut, bring some bondage matter, sadist tendencies, no struggle outside the death spot, no witness except the Vane's kids. They were very lucky. A phone call saved them. I was going to tape the boys and put plastics bag over their head like I did Joseph and Shirley and then hang the girl. God, oh God, what a beautiful sexual relief that would have been. Oh,
0: Josephine,
2: man. when I hung her, really turned me on. Her pleading for mercy, then the rope took hold. She, helpless, staring at me with wide terror, fill eyes, the rope getting tighter and tighter. So by the way, you do not want to listen to this with children. Hopefully no one that listens to true crime has children in the room. You don't understand these things because you're not under the influence of factor X. The same thing that made Son of Sam, Jack the Ripper, Havery Glattman... Hmm, we need to look into him. Boston Strangler, Dr. H.H. Holmes, Pantyhose Strangler of Florida, Hillside Strangler, Ted of the West Coast, and many more infamous character Kill, which seem as senseless, but we cannot help it. There is no help, no cure, except death or being caught and put away It a terrible nightmare. But you see, I don't lose any sleep over it. After a thing like Fox, I come home and go about life like anyone else, and I will be like that until the urge hit me again. It not continuous, and I don't have a lot of time. It take time to set a kill, one mistake, and it all over. Since I about blew it on the phone, handwriting is out, letter guide is too long, and typewriter can be traced too. My short, poem of death and maybe a drawing later on real picture and maybe a tape of the sound will come your way how will you know me before a murder or murders you will receive a copy of the initials btk you keep that copy the original will show up someday on guess who may you not be the unluck one p.s how about some name for me it's time seven down and many more to go i like the following how about you the BTK Strangler, Wichita Strangler, Poetic Strangler, the Bond Age Strangler, or Psycho, the Wichita Hangman, the Wichita Executioner, the Garrett Fathom, the Asphyxiator, BTK. Sicko. Yeah, and he settled on BTK, and he would draw, I'm sure you've seen the pictures where he'd draw the B and it looked like breasts. Right. At this point... The police chief, Richard LaMunion, reveals in a news conference for the first time the presence of a killer in the area, area and that he would possibly kill again. He wrote more, even though he sucked at it. He wrote one time, when this monster enter my brain, I will never know, but it here to stay. Society can be thankful that there are ways for people like me to relieve myself at time by daydreams of some victim being torture and being mine. It's a big, complicated game, my friend, of the monster play putting victim's number down, follow them, checking up on them, waiting in the dark, waiting, waiting. Maybe you can stop him. I can't. He's already chosen his next victim. He signed it yours, Truly, guiltily, adding that his code name would be BTK for bind, torture, and kill. Wow! So we've got pictures like that's the envelope, and notice he put Bill Thomas Killman.
3: Yeah, BTK.
2: Yeah, and uh, here's a picture of the rope that bound the Oteros, and it was a Venetian blind cord that he used, and we've already seen the sketch. And then this is a post actually, I think that's the yeah, this is a postcard. He started sending postcards to uh, Cake TV. Uh, and again, you, know, here's some of his lettering, his letters, but you can see like even his spelling is just off. I couldn't even read that. I had to get the ones that were already typed up because they were too difficult to uh, make out. But yeah, he's, he's a, a poop bird, that's for sure. Definitely.
0: Another potential victim, I went through those different phases, uh, locked in on her as I would call it, and uh, decided that I would try that date. I used a ruse as a uh, telephone repairman to get in their house. Uh, drove there in my own personal car uh, around lunchtime, during lunch hour, or approximately that time. It was earlier in the morning that. And, uh, put that. I actually went somewhere else and changed uh, changed my clothes. <coughs> what i call my uh hit clothes and clothes uh, hit clothes uh basically different you know things that i need to get rid of later not, not the same kind of clothes that i had on i i don't know what other better to use it uh, crime clothes or hit clothes i just call them get clothes uh anyway i walked from my car as a telephone uh, repairman as i walked there i donned the telephone helmet i had a briefcase Went to one other address just to kind of size up the house. I'd walked by it a couple times, but I wanted to check it a little bit more. Uh, as I approached it, I could hear a piano sound, and uh, went to this other door knocked on them and told them I was, they, we were recently working on telephone repairs in the area. And they went to her, went to her and knocked on the door and asked her if I could come check her telephone lines inside. Did she allow you in? Yes, she did. What happened then? I uh, went over and uh, found out where the telephone was, uh, simulated that I was checking the uh, telephone. I had a make-believe instrument. And uh, after she was looking away, I, I drew a pistol at her and asked her if she'd go back to the bedroom with me. Is this the same 357 magnet you'd use? No, this, this was a different one. A different
1: pistol. Are you asked her to go back to the bedroom with you after drawing a pistol
0: on her? Yes, sir. What happened then? Uh, I told her, we went back to the bedroom. I told her I was going to have to tie her up. She was very upset, and I think we I used some material that was in, uh, and that, that's another thing. I'm not sure, but I, I think I used the material that they had in their bedroom, and after I tied her hands, uh, she broke that, and we started fighting, and we fought quite a bit back and forth. All right, she was physically fighting you. Oh, yeah. yes, sir. Mm-hmm. What happened then? I uh, finally got the hand on her and got a, a nylon sock and started strangling he wrapped the stocking around her neck? Yes. What happened then? Uh, I finally gained, uh, gained on her and, and, and put her down, and I thought she was dead, but apparently she wasn't. But uh, after, after she was down and not moving anymore, I, I rearranged her clothes a little bit and took some took photos, I think three of them, if I remember. And then uh, after that, I, there was a lot of commotion. Uh, she had mentioned something about her husband coming home, uh, so I got out of there pretty quick. The dogs were raising a lot of cane in the back, Uh, the doors, the windows were all open to the house, a lot of noise when we were fighting. So I left pretty quickly after that, put everything in the briefcase and had her, I'd already gone through her uh, purse and got the keys to the car and used their car for my getaway car.
1: Alright, now you indicate that you thought that she was dead. Did you discover later that she was not dead?
0: Yes, I guess the paramedics uh, arrived and they tried to attempt to reliever or driver, and that, that failed. I don't know if she died there or on the way to the hospital or at the hospital. I don't recollect. But you later found out that she did die as a result of your
1: strangulation. Yes.
2: Okay. Then, um, Rader had another victim picked out. Her name was Anna Williams, a 63 year old woman. He waited for her to come home April 28, 1979, but she took so long that he left. Two months later, he received several of her personal item, or she received several of her mm-hmm. personal items in the mail, along with a poem. So I found the poem, poem. It says, Oh, Anna, why didn't you appear? T'was perfect plan of deviant pleasure, so bold on that spring night. My inner failing, failing, hot with propension of the new awakening season, worn with inner fear and rapture, my pleasure of entanglement like new vines at night. Oh, Anna, why didn't you appear? Drop of fear, fresh spring rain would roll down from your nakedness to scent the lofty fever that burns within. I mean, he just on and on. So she receives this with her items. I cannot imagine what she
3: thought. Now she moved. Did she? Right away. If I remember correctly, let me think. I think he waited for her and she came in late with friends of hers, and she was actually walking up to the door, and they said, oh, no, why don't you come over to our house for coffee? And she left, and it made him mad. And then when she received that, if I understand correctly, she moved right away. She never went back there. Oh,
2: absolutely. I'd probably move, change my name, you know. Now, the killing at this point, so we've got two more, it mm-hmm. appears, stopped for years. Raider's daughter was born in 1980. So I'm sure his familial obligations kept him busy. Unlike those, of course, that lost their family members. But police did not stop investigating. Mm -hmm. They released a record of BTK's phone call uh, to report Nancy Fox's murder on August 14th. Later, his daughter did recognize it. Like we talked about tips came in, but none led to BTK's arrest. Chief LaMunion, uh, no, I'm probably butchering that. But anyway, he established a task, task force in 1984 called Ghostbusters, like that movie, to organize and preserve valuable evidence, which was very smart. And a young officer named Ken Landwer was on the task force, and he would later spearhead, spearhead efforts to track down uh, BTK.
3: You know, so he's killed since the 70s. And then he was dormant 25 years, and he's in his 70s.
2: We have more killings that he did later. Yeah, I yeah. know.
3: So he's in his 70s. It really pisses me off that he wasn't caught sooner so he could suffer in prison longer. Right. Because he's so old. He's in his 70s. Not that that's real old. But well, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's a little bit old. You're, I mean, you're getting there. Like, like, how close are you? <laughs> Sometimes I understand killing. <laughs> No, that's that's not a funny joke, but yeah, it's just you know when people do this and get away with it so long, you just want them to suffer for a long time. Yeah, it is frustrating that he was able to get away with it for so long. As older, and he's older, and you know, it just I don't know.
2: now he has another military name. Oh. this one's called Project Cookie. Fifty-three-year-old Marine Hedge knew the Raiders. She lived right down the street. Mm-hmm. They had exchanged hellos for years. On April twenty seventh, nineteen eighty five, and let me bring up the picture so you can see her. I thought she was so pretty too. All of them are, but um, oh no, I'm thinking of Dolores Davis. Not that Ma- uh, Marine Hedge isn't pretty, but De- uh, Dolores Davis was the prettiest. She was the neighbor, prettiest one. But uh, well, no, Marine H- Marine Hedge is uh, the neighbor, oh. and. Um, She came home on April 27th, 1985 from an evening of dinner and bingo with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Her boyfriend, which I'm like, you go, girl. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Her boyfriend came in. He visited some more with her until a little after midnight. Neither knew that BTK had already broken in and he was waiting for her. Mm -hmm. Once Maureen's friend left, uh, Raider emerged from the shadows and strangled her with pantyhose. The kill was especially exciting for him because he was killing in his own habitat. Yep. Which is, they kind of stay close to it, but that, I mean, that's a neighbor. Now, did he, he just knew her. But yes. I forgot
3: why he said he went after her to get, a I think it was, a, don't quote me, but I think it was because it was so close to home, he liked the. The excitement, the challenge. that it was so close. And it was, she knew him. That ball back's a little (laughs) bit dry after that sweet Stella
2: Rosa. Man, that just sucked all the moisture out of my eyes and my mouth. Man. Okay. Yeah, it was probably the challenge, you Mm -hmm. know. And he did mention that, that it was especially exciting for him. I cannot imagine the horror and the confusion once Maureen
3: realized he was BTK. Oh, I know. Cuz she knew him. You I, know. I wonder if You know what? Did I wonder if he went to the funeral? Oh, that's
2: a good question.
3: Because that would be I could see that happening. I don't remember it's really a good information question. about and that. And I don't
2: know if he I mean, it's just a neighbor, But and maybe it's his he neighbor. didn't. But Yeah,
3: but they talked back and forth. Mm-hmm. Hi, the daughter knew him, the wife knew her.
2: Yeah. Well, and he got carried away on this deal because he took her body to his own church so he took her body to his own church mm-hmm. and he photographed her in se- sexually explicit poses he then cleaned up which took him 5 hours and he dumped her body on a dirt road which is a change see
3: yeah he's changed a couple yeah yeah, yeah.
2: and he hoped the change in MO would throw the police off and she was found 8 days
3: later a little yeah a- but even if it threw the police off his ego is so big he would admit right. it i right. mean He'd be fussy yeah. that they didn't
2: tie it to Yeah, him. right. Well, however, it is in his habitat, so he probably didn't want them to
3: know. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but he wasn't even a suspect then. He was just a true jur- church, uh, I mean, you know, upstanding citizen. So that wouldn't have really mattered. Mm-hmm.
2: Little over a year later, on September sixteenth, nineteen eighty six, <laughs> Raider dressed in a telephone repairman's uniform, complete with a company manual and fake ID. Now, personally, I've never seen a telephone repairman carrying a manual around.
3: Well, it was back in the day, I'm sure.
2: And he convinced Vicky Wagerly, and I showed you her uh, license. Right. To uh, she was twenty eight to let him in. She's at home with her two year old son, and she's distracted. You know, she's right. like, okay. And he pulls his gun out on her. She struggles, and she digs her nails into his skin, and I'm so glad she did. He tied her up with leather shoelaces. He strangled her with one of her own stockings. Then he rearranged her clothes and photographed her body. He then took her driver's license. Now, at this point, Many believe that BTK has either died or he's in prison. Mm-hmm. And again, the belief was that serial killers can't stop killing. Right. The FBI, especially, thought I that. I thought that for years. I did too. I mean, and even cases Actually, they say they don't. He was don't. the first one yeah. that oh, I realized. He? Wait a minute, they can no. stop. Yeah, he was oh, the yeah, first was. one that I studied that I realized. Oh, you know, now there may have been other ones, yeah. but I, you know, he was the one knew. where I thought, okay, he, he had long periods, cooling off periods. And at this point, the FBI, now they're studying serial killing. Now mm-hmm. they're realizing, they're labeling them, and they're trying to learn more because the Green River Killer was killing a lot mm-hmm. of sex workers in Washington. And what's sad, though... Is because they thought BTK had quit killing and because he changed his M.O., Vicki's husband was a suspect
3: for many, many years. Yeah, it ruined his life. Yeah. I mean, he got fired. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of things.
2: Yeah. Now, Raider's last known victim was in 1991, and it was Dolores D. Davis. She was a 63-year-old at the time and asleep when Raider threw a concrete block block through her window. He went back to his old story of being a fugitive in need of money, food, and car. He handcuffed her. He tied her up as well with a pantyhose. He then went through the motions of collecting food and car keys, which I think was part of his plan to kind of Mm -hmm. get her hopes up, and then smash them, which, again, that's what sexual sadists do because it's mental torture. He then slowly choked her to death. He took his time. What a monster. And he left her body uh, by a bridge. And so that was the last one out of all of the victims. So he had 10 kills.
3: That we know of. I I think it is 10, but Mm -hmm. that we know of.
2: Yeah, I do too. Okay, uh, so we've got his final kill out of the way. Now what I want to do is I want to go through a little bit of uh, his daughter's uh, memories. Not too many, but this right here is a picture of him and his daughter. I mean, look, he's even wearing an American t shirt with the flag. Oh my Gosh. Um, then we have, like, uh, you know, the fishing trips. Uh, he's holding her up, like I've been held up before to put a star on top of the right. Christmas tree. This is him with you know, her when her she graduation. looks like a teenager, yeah. yeah, her graduation. I mean it it's it's unbelievable. And then there's and the, both of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, I can read like facial expressions. He's genuinely happy for her. Mm-hmm. He has the wrinkle lines on the side of his eyes. It's just is unfathomable to me how horrifying it would be to find out. Like I would not believe it. Oh. You know what I mean?
3: My mind wouldn't be able to process it. No, and she talks about how she
2: had PTSD because of it, and she didn't know it. So I read her book. It's called A Serial Killer's Daughter, My Story of Faith, Love, and Overcoming. What struck me was how ordinary life was. Typical suburban American upbringing of those times. She and her dad were especially close. They went on camping trips, hiked the Grand Canyon, went on family vacations. I mean, it was a great childhood. She said there was one incident only that right. she remembers when he was so angry with her brother Brian that he started choking him. At and the he,
3: dinner table.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he did also have mood swings. So they would walk on eggshells during those
3: times, but everybody has they mood do. swings. Yeah, she said this was the worst one she saw. Mm-hmm. when he. And I can't even remember what, what she said it was. And, but, like we
2: said, I mean, he attended church regularly. Mm-hmm. He was a Boy Scout leader in his son's troop. He did leave one of those Boy Scout right. trips to kill one of his victims. Carrie remembers some of the fear she had about BTK as a child, especially when their neighbor was killed. Right. And she remembers Marine Hedge. In fact, she accidentally alerted the FBI to Marine's
3: murder. Yeah, she did.
2: Yeah, she didn't because they didn't connect him with that. And it was she told her dad, "I didn't do that on purpose." And you could be like, "Wow, what an idiot!" I mean, who cares? Her dad's a serial killer. I mean, just let them know I got you on this one too,
3: sucker. That's not how it no, works. It isn't because they. She said in the interview she has to put him in a different box, c- box, and then her dad in a different box. Yeah, I I know she. She said people didn't understand when she still talked to him at that time. She isn't now. Yeah, she isn't now because he never would take responsibility. But that she said because that was her dad that she knew. But then on the other hand, she said it was all a lie, though. My whole life was a lie.
2: And she said her life shifted February twenty fifth, 2005. She said there's life before that date, and now there's life after that date.
3: Yeah, and she's brave, I think. I do too. You know, going on these interviews, telling people yeah. the story. At
2: first, I thought, "Man, are you she making just wants money, money after yeah, your dad?" I do you know? too, but no. But once I found out, you know, why she wrote the book, and if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong, but I think the proceeds don't go to her. I think they go to victim advocate uh, organizations or something like that. But um, I, I can't say for sure. But I think I read that at the end of her book. But yeah,
3: it, it ruined her life in in so many ways, and, and she her had, mothers like fear people would know who she
2: was and she became I, i'm a serial killer's daughter i'm btk's yeah, daughter yeah. like it
3: wasn't carrie you know but it's they like recognize her I mean, i'm btk's daughter i know the wife's disappeared which i good would for have her. done it too good for her you don't ever hear about the son. yeah uh, so and she just... even remembers
2: driving by the otero house Mm. And I think before and after the killings. And her dad would assure her and her mom that they were safe from the killer. Wow. Uh, he also gave them safety tips, which I thought was nice. And she experienced night terrors even into adulthood, and they didn't know why. But from the time she was little, she would have night terrors. Now she understands why. Because, again, evil has a tangible presence. Even though she would have never tied her dad to being a serial killer, it just makes you wonder if her innocent little heart was picking up on mm-hmm. something. You That's know, that why. Maybe she didn't know.
3: You, it's it's so important to follow your gut.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. which But she didn't even have a gut on anything, though. I know, but though. she felt something.
3: She just yes, didn't know what it was. she didn't know what it was. Yeah.
2: And we'll get into more of her memories, um, just so you can see how crazy it is. But the mystery is solved. The Wichita Eagle ran a 30th anniversary piece on BTK. He hadn't killed since 1991. For officials, though, his last kill was 1986 because, again, they didn't know Marine mm-hmm. was um, her, one of his victims. The article suggested that he was a faded memory, and Raider didn't like it. So he decided to revive his deadly alter ego that he called Factor X by writing a message to the Wichita Eagle from a pseudonym, Bill Thomas Kilman. With a message, with the message was a copy of Vicky Wagerly's missing driver's license, photos of her body, and a BTK signature. In May, he sent Cake TV a phony ID, chapter titles for his biography, and a find-the-word letter grid that had clues like "prowl fantasies." He didn't have his usual signature though. But later, they realized, get this, that the letters "raider" were grouped around the numbers 6220, which was his street address. Oh. Mm-hmm. Then, in December 13, 2005, he left a garbage bag in Wichita uh, Murdoch Park that contained Nancy Fox's driver's license and bar- a Barbie doll with a hood over its head and arms tied behind its back. He then mailed a postcard to Cake TV that contained instructions to a cereal box on a road outside of Wichita, which you can Google it and see.
3: I thought I had I it, but it I don't. The, I saw it on the TV. I think it was like Wheaties, wasn't it? Um, like an orange cereal box. Or maybe it was Wheaties or Cheerios, mm-hmm. but it had a significant because it was serial killer. Right. He had written something on it in cereal. Yeah, and they they didn't find it or n- know what it was. Was that or the, what they put in the what he put in the trash I guess he had One a of sense didn't of humor, know, so he had to tell them. Crazy ass.
2: <laughs> Inside that, now this is January 25th. It contained a graphic description of BTK's first murders and another doll in a death position. It can uh, also, in another section of the postcard, there were instructions to another package left at a local Home Depot. Now this one was very interesting to authorities. It appears that an employee had found the cereal box in the bed of his truck and threw it out. They searched the trash and they found a message from BTK asking. Drum roll. No, just kidding. Right. If he could communicate via a computer floppy disk without being traced. If so, they were told to run a newspaper ad with the message, Rex, it will be okay. Now, this is one of the weirdest aspects of the psychology of, like we talked about. Unbelievable. He was seriously offended that the police lied to him. I mean, Boy Scouts aren't supposed to lie, right? So, I guess if you're a serial killer Boy Scout leader... That was like a violation of values and morals. Moral. So it's it's almost like he intertwined good core values with being evil. It's terrible. So these weren't the only messages. Many more were sent to terrorize the Wichita community. Detectives did run the ad. On January twenty eighth, with a message, Rex, it will be okay. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> Police don't lie. No, they never lie. No. Contact me, PO Box one uh, four, reference number six seven two zero two. Six days later, Raider sent another postcard to Cake, letting detectives know he got the message. A little over two weeks later, on February 16th, a computer disk arrived, and it was immediately given to Randy Stone, and he's called a cyber cop. So he looked in the metadata of the floppy disk and found the name Dennis and Christ Lutheran Church and Park City Library. They hopped on the internet. They discovered a Dennis Raider listed as president of Christian Lutheran Church. So now they got his name. They also got some DNA from some of the crime scenes, and I hope it was from Vicky's fingernails. I yeah. hope she played a part in him getting caught. Now, they had to get Raider's DNA. What they decided to do is they found out that Carrie had had a pap smear when she was mm-hmm. in college. They got the DNA, the, uh, and the hospital gave it to them. Right. It matched. They had their killer. Rader was headed home from the office. By the way, he worked in the same building as the police, to have lunch with his wife, Paula, because that's yes. what they did is they had lunch every day together. He was pulled over by a line of police card, cars that had been trailing him. He confessed after he learned of all the DNA evidence. He also enjoyed, quote, bonding with law enforcement agents, but was, quote, plainly irritated that Landwehr, remember the young officer yep. from the task force, lied to him about the computer
3: disk. But At- the detective said... What? Because I wanted to catch you. Mm-hmm. Tell her what they said what he said about it, what his wife when he got caught about their lunch date.
2: Can you call her and let her know? Yeah. I won't be making it.
3: Wow. It,
2: it's it, uh, it is studying his psychology is very, very all interesting. All over the place. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean all over the
2: place. Hey, you're you're getting arrested for murder, but make sure my wife knows the consideration, although he killed other people's wives and other people's daughters. Yeah, it's unbelievable. He's bonding with the police. At first, Raider pled not guilty. Yeah. His family begged him, please plead guilty for the victims and for us. In this case is where I learned about what I call the silent or the hidden victims. Because I think we talked about this the first this season where I'd be like, there is no way in H-E-Double Hockey Sticks that these people didn't know that their dad was jacked in the head. There is no, no
3: way. Well, this case proves there is a way. It
2: proves that, and they are victims, too. And not to diminish the death of a victim, their family will never see them again, right? No. They can talk to this poop bird,
3: Yeah, and he uh, they're still victims. They are victims for the rest of their lives. Yes. And the next generation, even. Oh, yeah. Even.
2: Yeah, my grandfather was BTK. Can you imagine that? Oh, my gosh.
3: Yeah, he. Uh, I saw the interrogation. They said after 30 hours, you know, his family wanted him to yes to turn him. But the officer said, well, we have this. We have this for you. And he goes, well, I guess you caught me. Yep. I mean, like it's, hey, I got to buy a loaf of bread. I'll be back. Yeah, it's, it's so unbelievable. Crazy. It is. Uh, he will go down in history, so he got what he wanted. Yeah, he sure did.
2: On June 27th, 2005, he pled guilty to 10 counts of first degree murder. Um, I don't personally think that he did it out of consideration for the victims or his family, though. I actually think he's a sociopath and a narcissist, and he wanted the attention.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm sure. He
2: wanted the details of his work he product did. to get out. You he know what did. I mean? Because he was very proud of it. He was sentenced to 10 consecutive uh, life terms. With a minimum of 175 years before any possibility of parole. Because when the crimes occurred, you could be paroled out for murder. Oh, so yeah. they, they wanted to make sure he was in there forever. Paula, his wife, was granted an emergency divorce. And she and her family got the family home ready to sell. But later it was demolished. Now, he, he was his worst enemy. He had an overwhelming need to... Uh, take credit so I'm going to read just a couple of things from Hazelwood's book that I referenced earlier and uh, I'm going to get to that page so I don't know if you have anything that you want to no I just no
3: it's just disgusting
2: yeah that's for sure okay so let me get to the hopefully I'm in the right place okay
3: and you know, even in the family pictures they all looked happy, normal.
2: They did. It's weird. Just like they looked very normal in the Susan Powell family pictures. Oh, yeah. And just to think everything that was going on. So this is Out of Dark Dreams by Hazelwood. And it says, perhaps the most frightening personality disorder is that of the psychopath. Professionally, the condition is known as an antisocial personality disorder. This term has replaced psychopath in the modern psychiatric lexicon, just as psychopath once replaced sociopath, which I didn't know. I didn't either. In earlier times, people in this category were called morally insane or super evil. Or simply evil. Psychopaths do not feel remorse or shame. Guilt or appropriate fear. They do not learn from punishment. They are easily bored. They like excitement. They find it difficult to delay gratification no matter where their self-interest may lie. In a classic, though not scientifically validated test of psychopathy, the subject is told he can have a quarter now or a $5 bill tomorrow. The psychopath always takes the quick two bits. Psychopaths are chronic liars, even when they have no need or reason to lie. They have no understanding of or concern for the harm they cause others. I once asked a psychopath what he thought about love. Intellectually, I understand the concept, he said, but I have never experienced it. This man had raped and tortured more than 50 women across 12 states, Two of his victims, devout Christians, visit him in prison hoping to bring their attacker to Jesus. I asked him if he felt it was healthy for women to continue calling on him. He said probably not, but it sure is good for my ego. Wow. Yeah. I mean that's that's crazy. You know,
3: you and and this guy BTK, no telling what other hidden things we don't know. That exactly. He's exactly. And then what I want to do
2: is I want to read you some out of Carrie's book. And this is out of chapter uh, one. Noon, Friday, February 25th, 2005. On the day the world dropped out on me, I woke up late. I had pulled my dark brown hair back in a loose scrunchie and at noon i was still in my mint green fleece pajamas they'd been a gift from my parents on christmas morning two months earlier when i was home in kansas with my husband darian this was our second winter living in michigan and i'd taken the day off from substitute teaching i'd been staying home a lot because driving on snow and ice set me on edge friday february 25th 2005 had begun as just another cold day with snow on the ground and in the air About 12.30 p.m., I glanced out our picture window to see how much snow had fallen the night before, not that anyone could tell by late February. It's just a heap of white upon white. I noticed a maroon car, slightly rusted and beat up, parked next to the green dumpster behind our apartment building. A man sat behind the steering wheel and seemed to be glancing up at our window on the second floor. My internal alarms buzzed, stranger danger. I wasn't expecting Darren to be home until later for lunch, if at all. As it neared one o'clock, I looked again. The man was still there. All right, that does it. I'm calling Darian. Hey, when are you coming home for lunch? My voice was calm enough to fool him. Not sure. Want me to bring you something? Taco Bell? Nah. I paused. I'm calling because a strange strange old beat-up car is parked by the dumpster. A man is sitting in the car, and I swear he's looking out our window. I was beginning to sound a little panicky, but Darian was unfazed. Hmm, our window upstairs? Yeah, looking right at it. Well, that's not really possible, but if he's giving you the creeps or something, call the cops. Nah, well, maybe, yeah, if he doesn't leave soon. Okay, I'll be home in a while to eat if I can get away, so I'm here today. We said goodbye. I looked again, this time peering through the corner of the blinds like my dad might do. My dad repeatedly taught us to be fearful of strangers, not to open doors to people we didn't know, and to be extremely cautious. When I was younger, he worked in it as a security alarm installer, Wow! and I always figured that's where he picked up this bit of paranoia. Still, nothing wrong with being smart, being safe, better than sorry. I peed again. The car was still there. The man wasn't. Clank, clank, clank. What happened to the intercom? Intercom, a visitor buzzing to be let in, someone must have propped the front door open again. Now my alarms were sounding full force. My heart was speeding, my skin was growing hot. I was sure the man in the car was down the other side of the door, which only had a simple lock on it, no deadbolt. The house I grew up in had deadbolts, which were always locked, no matter the time of day. I'll pretend I'm not home. Clank, clank, clank. Okay, be brave. It's nothing. So I propped my wire-rimmed glasses on my head and squinted through the peephole to see a man in his 50s wearing a dress shirt, tying glasses. I twisted my glasses in my hands and put them back on my face. Hello, can I help you? I called from my side of the subpar door. Yes, I'm with the FBI. I need to speak to you. Me? The FBI? What about? I need to speak to you. Can you let me in? I'm kind of in my pajamas and my bare feet. Dad always said, Make them show you a badge. Make them prove who they are. Not that anyone ever had approached my door with a badge, but I guess there was a first time. I opened the door a bit, putting my foot, foot next to it. If he was FBI, he might or might not push his way in, hard to say based on what I'd seen in the movies. He didn't look FBI. He looked like someone who might do my taxes. So can I see your ID? Yes. He flipped open his badge and let me study it for a bit more softly. Can I come in? I need to talk to you. Sure, my husband will be home soon. He's on the way, you know, for lunch. That was another trick Dad taught me long ago. Tell the stranger in your house someone is on the way, even if it's not true. Okay, good. I need to talk to him, too. Standing with this guy in my apartment's foyer, I decided he seemed all right. He wasn't even carrying a gun, just a yellow legal pad and pencil. So much for the movies. What do you need to talk to me about? You've got the right person, right? I think so. Are you Carrie Rawson, maiden name Raider, 26 years old? I nodded. Originally from Wichita, Kansas, your father is Dennis Rader? Yeah, that's me. My mind was scrambling. Why is this man here? What does he want? I turned to walk toward the kitchen, but the hallway was so narrow only one person could walk in at a time, and I didn't like him behind me. So I stopped and stepped back, allowing for him to go in front. My mind tried to find some reason for this man's visit. Nothing came up, and then I was scared. I focused instead on tiny details the cornflower blue dish towels with bright sunflowers hanging on my white-on-white kitchen, color brought from Kansas to Michigan 18 months before when Dad helped us move after the wedding, a chocolate bundt cake with powdered Powdered sugar icing sat on the counter. I'd made it the night before. My keys and navy blue purse were next to my cookbooks. A red spiral bound Betty Crocker was propped up by a box of handwritten recipe cards, favorites from friends and family back home. Like she's, it's PTSD. Right, right. She's remembering every detail. The man from the FBI was now facing me, his back to the microwave. Have you heard of BTK? What? The room brightened, then narrowed, intensified. Um, you mean the guy they're looking for in Wichita and Kansas? Yes. I hit the panic button. Has something happened to my grandma? Has my grandma been murdered? Your grandma? No, she's fine. Well, grandma is frail. She keeps following my folks have to help a lot. She's been in the hospital this week. BTK murders women. No, it's your dad. What is my dad? He's been arrested. My dad has been what? Arrested. Your dad is wanted as BTK. Wanted for murders in Kansas. My dad is what? BTK, wanted, arrested. Can we sit down? I need to ask you some questions. My mom, is my mom, Paula, okay? Has my mom been murdered by my dad? No, she's all right, safe. She's being picked up right now for questioning. Who? Who's picking her up? The police are questioning her. She's okay. My br- brother Brian, is he okay? He's stationed uh, with the United States Navy. Yes, we're notifying him now. Who is? The FBI. I need to question you. It's important. When did you say your husband will be home? The room was spinning. I grabbed at the wall, jutting near the stove. My hand brushed against a smooth stained glass picture hanging there. It was made of vivid purples, pinks, greens, an etched butterfly, and the words, love never fails. I'd heard, your dad is BTK. I was shaking all over. I think I'd better sit down. I'm not feeling well. The room turned red. Dark splotches came into view. I was falling into a black hole with no idea how I was ever going to get out. Mm. So, I know the FBI has That's to do their terrible. job. But maybe, just maybe, yeah. make sure the person sitting, to, <clears throat> sitting down, right, get someone to be with them before you tell them and their entire right. world shatters.
3: And also, maybe bring someone with you so you don't sit in an old beat-up car and, and scare the and daylights scare out of her. She, they're lucky she opened the door. Right. I wouldn't have even opened the door. I would Me have neither. called the police. I would have, too. Yeah.
2: From that, And she didn't know that she had PTSD from that point on. Right. It took a long time. Um, and some may think, well, too bad for her. You know, her dad killed people. And I understand that. But she shook for five days.
3: Yeah, you can't be say too bad for her. She had nothing to do with it. Nothing. They knew nothing about it. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah.
2: And what I liked about the book because you know she's a Christian like we are, her faith helped her a lot. And you know, again, she decided to write this story because of the right. famous author. And it's
3: not like she was after money because I think it took a few years before she even wrote the book.
2: It did it uh, nine to ten years wow. before she wrote it. And That's a long time. She even shared some of the initial letters that her and her dad had shared with each other, they seemed like normal father-daughter conversations, apart from the fact that he was BTK and he was in jail for murder. It, it was really
3: weird reading these letters. You he, know, it would be different. It was just murder. But, but like the torture. And the torture, and, and, yeah. And his pictures of himself. and yep. I mean, humiliating, humiliating things. She
2: even found... And um, he's not acting ashamed she even found some evidence later i I don't remember it was something he had written on the back of a business card that was uh, i think a murder map i can't remember like it had something to do with one of the killings and Mm. she like she genuinely believed that he was a good person and from the letters he genuinely believes that he's a good person apart from factor x so again experts They say that there has to be something that was unusual in his childhood. I've not found it. But here's what I think. I think that people think that there has to be something that create these monsters. Because if not, anyone could be these monsters. We like loose ends tied. We like answers. You're not always going
3: to get them. No. Some psychologists say you're born. You're born evil. And then he said, what did he say last night? He said, you're a factor of your environment, which I'm not sure about that. There's some people with, you know, in bad environments. They don't grow up to be murderers. Right. So I'm not sure. But I do believe, I think you you do have evil in you when you're born.
2: Well, you might. Um, I don't know because, I mean you definitely have the propensity for it. Right. But when it comes to, you know, being a serial killer, I think there's a lot of stuff that's going on that, you know, it's way beyond what's normal. And also, you know, like they say, well, is it nurture or nature? I don't know. But in this case, it wasn't the nurturing. Because he had really good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, She went on to say Mm. that, There were a lot of deceptions. They were starting to kind of piece together life with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, She said that where everybody else was learning about him for her, her life was intertwined with these. Right. You know, so she found out that dad deceived mom and all of them in smaller ways. Like he would call uh, her mom at times in the last year to say he would, say, late for work when he was actually working after hours on BTK projects at the office, his office in the city building, placing incriminating items in his locked cabinet. Dad normally left his office by 6, and Mom almost always had supper ready by the time he was home and after she'd worked a full day. Thinking of him calling her and lying to her and sitting at the table hungry, likely with a roll of Ritz crackers to tide herself over, waiting to eat with him royally teed me off. She'd wait in her chair, the one next to the stove, so it would be easy for her to get up and keep whatever she had fixed warm until he came home. Um, He didn't like to have his back to the kitchen door, and you never sat in his chair if he was home. While on a family vacation in St. Louis in June 1993, Dad became paranoid that the housekeeping staff was stealing his Ritz crackers, and he started counting how many were left in a roll before he left in the mornings. When he got ridiculous, there was nothing left for Mom and me to do but laugh and make fun of him. On a trip while eating at a quote authentic Italian place, dad told me da- gangsters never like to sit with their back to the door. Um, I, I watched, and he, she watched all kinds of movies with them like Seven, Copycat, Red Dragon, The Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, Eight Millimeter, and True Crime Books, which I did with my dad.
3: <laughs> well, oh hell. <laughs> but it wasn't to this extreme.
2: No. And then the evidence that she found, let me see if I can find that part. And I'm so proud of her because she did. She turned it in. You know, she could have kept it. Right. And not have given it to the police. Because
3: she's already been embarrassed, humiliated, labeled.
2: Yeah. And, and we're almost done. But so I why just,
3: start over with more?
2: I wanted to show you some of the things. Yeah. So she was going, they were going. So at this point, he's arrested. They're going to get rid of the house. And she was rifling through her bookshelves, and she noticed a black and red paperback set at an angle on a lower shelf, and it looked like it had been set there absentmindedly. So she thought of her dad. She picked it up, turned it over, and sure enough, it was true crime. A gray business card he'd been using for a bookmark fell out, one of my dad's old cards from his census days. I turned over the business card. It had odd shorthand scribbling on it in his small boxy handwriting, in January 1991, Dad murdered Mrs. Davis. Dad's business card from 1990 had cliff notes for a murder he was planning.
3: Wow.
2: Yeah, I mean, the room would start spinning. I mean, there's just, there's so many more. It's, it's worth it because she'll go through, you know, the different, like what was happening in her life around the murders. And it's a really good um, read. She eventually broke all contact with Raider. Um, and she realized that he was BTK and he would just wear a mask like he was a yeah. dad.
3: So how could she believe anything he said?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was all a lie. Which would be, that'd be a very weird feeling.
3: Oh, forever, I would think.
2: Now later, <clears throat> authorities learned that Raider wanted the same notoriety as Bundy. When he first started following the Ted murders, they hadn't caught him yet. No.
3: But and he did think he was better than Ted.
2: Yes, and he wanted to be a household name like him, mm-hmm. and that's how many of them are. Yeah, they um, compete. Yeah, yeah, they would actually all of them: Gacy, Ted Ridgeway. Uh, I don't know if Dahmer did, and then um, uh, BTK. They would monitor each other's kills, and they would watch the news about it. Raider watched the news about Bundy in particular, really, really close. Now, again, just to end this this season. Here's, again, what to remember about these killers. They like it. Oh, yeah. They're not doing things to get caught. They just think they won't get caught, and they make mm. stupid mistakes, which is good for us. Like we say, yeah, they're not smart. They... They're just lucky. Yeah. But there's no empathy. If you can picture someone with absolutely no empathy, there's no genuine love. That's why they can talk about killing people with a surgical coldness and even pride because they're literally proud of their work. He was proud of his work. Their victims are humans, aren't humans to them? They're objects. They're project cookie, project green, and their murders are their work
3: product, plain and simple. And their narcissism doesn't quit once they're in jail. Because you have these people. I don't even know what you call them, that feed into that ego. Writing letters, you're great. You did a good job. You know, it just keeps feeding them. Even in prison, mm-hmm. it's it's horrible.
2: It is horrible, and uh, it you know, like remember how upset you were over the groupie that Richard. Ramirez oh yeah, I mean we yes. don't want to get you. Upset no, don't or anything. get me. <laughs> but um, so hopefully, you know, with this case, even though you know there was really not much that the victims could have done.
3: There wasn't signs, really. Yeah. There were, I mean,
2: I, mean it, I like today where we've got DNA, we've got um, great security systems. You
3: know, like if you're single, please get a security system. But it, but then then again, in the seventies, right, early eighties, right, it didn't cross your mind. Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't even think.
2: I mean, it was you were safe. you were back then in the day. I mean, yeah, did they it was have safer security than systems it is now? Was it like getting like when TVs came out? When they came out with security systems, was it like a I'm not that old. So, knock it (laughs) off. So, what do you think about, like, what are your final thoughts as far as BTK or uh, this season?
3: I just think, especially this case, people, the family, BTK's family. Mm -hmm. The others have suffered all these years and will, probably to their death. Yeah. Next generations. Yeah. But these people suffered, too. Yes. The wife can't show her face. No. Her identity's not known. Yeah. You know, it's just... And the kids. Yeah. And they're going to have kids. Well, she has some, but... What's your last name? Well, my grandfather. Yeah. It was Raider. I mean...
2: And I wonder if maybe they'll even make up stories, you know, where they don't even have to say who their grandfather was. they will
3: because... Their face, well, her face is everywhere. Well, dad's face. I think that would
2: be unfair too, because you know, if you're a kid or a grandkid of a serial killer, and then you start googling and figuring out, wow, wow, I'm related to this guy. That
3: that would hurt. That would be very hurtful. So, yeah, I mean, psychologically, even. But kids are cruel. Yeah, they are. These days.
2: Well, share um, this podcast again. We have resources for people on our website. And leave a review, uh, recommend some good wines. We have a, a wine fund, a mm-hmm. drink fund. Uh, hopefully, next season we'll have different drinks we can try. Right. I mean, we pretty much like we have been the best advertisement for Stella Rosa, right? <laughs> I it didn't is realize good. that they I were all either. Stella Rosa because so we were go gonna ahead. have like different coffees right. and things like that. But our third side kit didn't do don't it this drink season.
3: Coffee, weirdo.
2: I guess I wouldn't be in that, that uh, strange. Are you sure you're not a serial killer or something? That right, you don't right. like copy? Yeah, no. All right. So what's our, our
3: slogan? I have it. Be okay. smart, be rude, and don't, don't be, be a, a victim. victim.
0: A particular day, I had some commitments. I left those, uh, went to one place, changed my clothes, went to another place, uh, parked my car, finally made arrangements on my hip kit, my clothes, and then walked to that residence. Uh, After spending some time at that residence, uh, it was very cold at night, I had reservations about going in. I had cased the place before and I really couldn't figure out how to get in, and she was in the house. So I finally just uh, selected a a concrete block and threw it through the plate glass window on the east and came on in. Where is this residence looking? It's on Hillside, but I couldn't give you the address. I know it's probably 61, probably 62 something. Oh, 62 something. North or south? North. North Hillside.
1: All right, so you used a
0: concrete block to break a window? Mm hmm. Plate glass window, patio floor. Mm hmm. What happened then? Uh, noise. I just went in. Uh, she came out of the bedroom and thought that a car had hit her house. And I told her that I was, uh, I used the, the roofs of uh, being wanted. I was on the run, I need food, car, warmth, warm-up, and uh, and I asked her, I handcuffed her and uh, kind of talked to her, told her that I would like to get some food, get her keys, her car, and kind of rest assured, you know, talked with her a little bit, calmed her down a little bit. And uh, and then eventually I checked, uh, I think she was still handcuffed, I uh, went back and checked out where the car was, Simulated getting some food, odds and ends in the house that I like I was leaving. And then went back and uh, removed her handcuffs, and, uh, and then tied her up. And then, and then eventually strangled her. Oh, you say eventually strangled her. Well, after I tied her up, I went through some things in the room there, and then, and then strangled her. You say you went through. Were you looking for something? Mm-hmm. Well, a personal items? Yes, I took some personal items from there. Did you take personal items in every one of these incidents? Uh, I did on the hedge. Uh, I don't remember anything at uh, Vicky's place. We have Charles, we got the watch and the radio. I don't think I did any brights. Uh, Guayans, no, I don't think so. Fox, yes, I picked some things from Fox. It was hit and miss. All right. but in Probably regard- if, if, if it was a controlled situation where I had more time, <coughs> I took something, but if it, if it was a confusion and other things, I didn't, as I was trying to get out of there.
1: All right, so in regard to the Davis matter, you went around the room, took a few personal things. What did
0: you do then? Uh, strangled her. What did you strangle her with? Pantyhose. All right, what happened then? Uh, I- I kind of like uh, Mrs. Hedge, uh, I already figured out my head of... You know, plan on leaving and uh, tr- put her in a blanket and uh, drove her to the car. Put her in the trunk of the car. So you were able to strangle her to death with these bandages. Yes, sir. All right, you put her in your car. Her or car. In the car. Her, her car, 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 uh, car. The trunk of her car. What happened then? Uh, I really had a commitment I needed to go to, so I moved her to one spot. Took her out of her car. This gets complicated. Then. Stuff I had, clothes, gun, whatever. I took that to another spot in her car, dumped that off. Okay, then took her car back to her house, uh, left that. Let me think now. Okay. In the interim, I took her car back to her house. In the interim, I realized that I had lost one of my guns. Dropped it somewhere, so I was, we saw it, trying to figure out where my gun was. So I went back in the house, realized I had dropped it when I went in the, when I broke the plate glass window. It dropped and fell on the floor right there, and I found it right there. So that solved that problem. Anyway, I went back out, uh, threw the keys, uh, checked the car real quick, quick light, uh, threw the keys up on top of the roof of her house, walked from her car back to my car, took my car, drove it back. And I either dropped more stuff off or I picked her up and put them in my car. And then I drove up uh, northeast of uh, Sedgwick County and dropped her off underneath the bridge.
2: Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? <coughs>